0: Hey, good morning good afternoon, it's about <laughs> midday, and I just got done with a batch of garden organizing, and so I had this little tune, on, it, this little meme in my head, it's the radio station identification for KPYT, Travel radio, travel radio. (laughs) On the res with Tris, Trista's show. Travel radio, travel radio, travel
1: radio.
0: And it's like different, uh, slightly different version, like more of a. Longer, kind of. It's a chorus. You know, it'd be really nice if I if I can get my get a couple friends from the res, like your Pasqua. Does anybody, or is there a Pasqua or a Tio person out there who would like to sing that song with me and make it my show? jingle. Um, just let me know. Trista for potes. Trista for the number potes at gmail.com. Anyway, so I thought we should check YouTube and see if there's any juicy news tidbits about, uh, Trump's special matter, master just attacked Trump for lying in meeting. That sounds nice. It's one only hour been ago. 12 Posted weeks. one hour ago. So... At K-A-M-P, Student Radio, at the University of Aridstone, K-P-Y-T, Perth, Radio. On the roads with just a show, travel radio, travel radio, travel radio.
2: All of his legal battles, and I got two great things for you in this one first a really good update on how everything that's been happening is moving in the negative direction for Trump. Every single thing is showing that he's got no argument and that more and more people have been roped into his scheme, which means more and more people are target rich to be flipped against him. But then critically, we got to get into something that happened just moments ago, this afternoon, because in a meeting Raymond Deary, the special master that Trump himself Chose is ripping his lawyers apart and ripping Trump apart as well for their BS arguments and not providing a no single what? example for their what? baseless claims. His is own that a pick, Canadian, tearing the We'll get no into what?
3: it after the clip. Business. Is there anything that the Justice Department can do during the six months that limits his ability to exploit, as he will, exploit uh, the b- being in, in
4: prison? while he's in prison absent approval i mean you can't put a gag order on him necessarily he's in prison he's going to be like every other person in that prison there's you know situations which he can communicate with his
1: attorneys he can send letters anyway let's be really clear steve bannon if he does go to jail and i expect it's going to
4: be at least for the statutory minimum of 30 days if not probably one to you know for two months
1: Sure, so I'm the non-classified I'm records, the one that I'm Donald Trump is saying or something possibly
4: to executive privilege, they're still relevant in material in the context of a criminal inquiry here, and the Justice Department lays this out pretty nicely in their brief because the extent to which the documents with classification markings were intermingled and intermixed with these various other records speaks to not only how much Donald Trump personally had access to them and was viewing them, The extent to which he was giving other uh, individuals, such as these aides we've heard about, orders to move boxes, to reorganize documents, it speaks to his willful retention of the documents with the classification markings, showing it wasn't just a document storage mistake, that he knew they were there, they were with all these other records, and he didn't care, he kept concealing it
3: from the government. Glenn uh, Kershner, let's go to the uh, investigative part of the case that is now being uh, peeled away at uh, in press reports, Wall Street Journal now, adding two names. We we got one name last week. Now, now there's two uh, of Trump staffers current uh, in his current employee uh, who are in some way have been contacted by the FBI. One of them has submitted to questioning. We repeated questioning. We know that. There could be more. And it's a clear indication uh, that this investigation is moving, uh, no matter what's going on with the appeals. Yeah, and Lawrence, this is a target-rich
1: environment for the prosecutors. When you see, we've seen the pictures of dozens
3: of boxes on pallets. These, you know, these documents had to be boxed up by somebody. The boxes themselves had to be moved and transported. and. Can you imagine all of the people who were assisting Donald Trump in that endeavor? Um, And then once you get to Mar-a-Lago and now perhaps even Bedminster and Trump Tower, there are so many sort of hands on these boxes and potentially on these documents that, as I say, it's a target-rich environment for the prosecutors who are digging in and investigating, you know, who may have incriminating information, and importantly, how might these documents have compromised our national security. Katia, let me begin with you and uh, these, the appeal uh, that, they, that the Justice Department has filed to the 11th Circuit to completely throw out the special master uh, in, in the documents case. What do you make of that?
4: It's an incredibly powerful appeal, Lord. So remember, Trump asked for this special master, which no one normally gets, you and I would never get it, but drew this judge, Judge Cannon, who gave him a special master. She quickly got reversed on the notion that the most serious documents uh, that the Justice Department isolated, the ones with serious national security sensitivity, shouldn't be subject to this special master review. So the Court of Appeals rejected Trump's claims in two of those three judges, were actually appointed by Donald Trump. Donald Trump then took part of that up to the Supreme Court, where he lost last week yet again, and the Supreme Court said these hundred documents aren't subject to special master review and like. Now the department has taken a bigger appeal and said all the rest of Judge Cannon's order for the rest of the documents, roughly I think 19,000 pages or so, The special master shouldn't have been approached, shouldn't have been appointed for that. And that is a devastating appeal brief. It is as good a brief, Lawrence, as I've read. And, you know, Trump is now finally seeing after a Supreme Court loss last week that most judges don't take too kindly to poorly crafted legal arguments. And Trump is paying his lawyers a whole lot of money to be headed loss after loss in the courts. And when you look at his legal fees, like his business endeavors, Trump is seeing a rather poor return on his his investment.
2: So I just wanted to play that for you, because it really shows what bad position he's in. You know, with the Bannon stuff to start, we've talked a little bit about that yesterday, not to labor it too much, but it's a real example of what could happen to him. And it's a clear example that somebody right close to him, who's fundamentally involved in this broad J6 case, is absolutely someone that's in the... A, a potential future outcome for him. And then you get into what Kirshner said which is basically that with all of these boxes and all of these pallets and all of these people that may have helped move them or may have helped pack them or accidentally or on purpose saw documents they weren't allowed to see, all of these people are target-rich opportunities to be flipped because if any of these people, whether willingly or unknowingly or on purpose or what have you, committed some sort of offense in their effort to help Trump or hide what Trump was doing or both, those people could be in trouble unless, of course they're willing to flip on Donald Trump and that's absolutely bad and as Katyal notes there every Uh single ruling has been going the wrong way and it's becoming hey have you heard Uh of eccentric strength training it's definitely not this
0: this is
2: a simple trick coming clear that the corrupt crony cannon isn't able to save trump because every other conservative judge has sort of united against her at this critical juncture and that's where deary comes in again deary a very conservative guy appointed all the way back by reagan respected by everybody but clearly a conservative was sick and tired of the bs he was hearing in a meeting today absolutely in particular with Donald Trump and his team. And it notes here, Judge Raymond Deary, who is serving as special master in a document dispute, admonished attorneys for former President Donald Trump and the government on Thursday. During a status call about documents that were seized from Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, Deary seemed to have little patience. Reuters correspondent Sarah Lynch reported that Deary complained that the former president had not provided proof for his privilege claims over many documents. Saying it so doesn't make it so, Deary remarked. And Lynch said the judge became frustrated because attorneys were spending time on Documents that were not in dispute. He says, I don't want to be dealing with nonsense objections, nonsense assertions, pointing out that Trump has made numerous assertions that he owns many of the government records. It's a little perplexing as I go through the log, Deary asks, where's the beef? Mm -hmm. Deary has ordered that attorneys make a joint submission of disputed documents by November 12th. And this is big, guys, because what it shows is that I guess he's also frustrated with the DOJ, probably over some technical issues. Judges tend to be frustrated with both sides in very contentious cases, because obviously everybody's trying to make the argument. But with the DOJ, it seems like the frustrations are more technical. It seems like they're more around the edges of conduct. But with the Trump lawyers, it's about all of that, plus the fundamental reality that their central case does not exist. And Deary is sick and tired and frustrated, and maybe that's a polite word, maybe frustrated is a code word for pissed or whatever, who knows, about the whole thing. Because Trump is trying to make the argument that these belong to him, that these documents are his, or that they've somehow been declassified and are therefore everybody's or what have you, and he's never provided a single gosh darn shred of proof. And Deary is sick of it absolutely sick and that's why Donald Trump is making these arguments in desperation in public but in court when they're asked to put up or shut up they can't put up and so they ultimately shut up when the chips are down. Deary's sick of it as are all the rest of us conservative judges included he will lose this case.
0: Uh Great let's continue on with uh, his terrible track record in legal affairs,
5: which is a plus for us. Jersey? Okay, let's see what other people are saying.
0: He knows Donnie is lying about owning anything and he's furious. Good to see. Oh, Donnie's terrible. Oh yeah, that's mine. What? Trump almost never seems to have an adult in the room to put him and his team in their place. We thank you for serving the law, not the man. Special Master
5: Judge Raymond Derry. Yes, indeed. Second that.
0: Okay, exactly. There's hope. Okay, every American should sue Trump for emotional distress and trauma. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Then he'd really go bankrupt. Lock Trump up and throw away the key to his cell. <laughs> yeah. Trump, while crazy like a fox, appears more and more desperate. Everyone in the Trump camp now must look to cover their own backsides. What a surprise Trump has been caught lying. That's a first. Trump actually telling the truth would be far more surprising. I find it hard to believe that the Republicans Party have let Donald Trump and people like Herschel Walker and lots of others bring the Republicans to their knees. I'm 81 years old never expected this in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's see, the real pyramid builders, watch Morning Joe highlights October 18, two hours ago. Morning Joe. By the way, that was MSNBC last words and her, uh not Herschel Work the Glenn Kershner. because justice matters. You got that? The Guys. Great outdoors. KMP Student Radio at the University of America. Steve Kornacki,
6: he's in the big board. Uh, we're gonna cover Luxembourg two elections weeks until November, Luxembourg elections really next. Shit. But why don't we cover our own right here? So Steve some so three weeks. Three weeks. It seems this election has been going three ways. Pre-Dobbs,
0: I think that's you had our best, all best
6: shot Republican post Dobbs. It seemed like Democrats won every news cycle, it wasn't just on Dobbs, but on a lot of different things.
1: And now you've just sort of up. sensed over Job the
6: past week or two up. things breaking back in the Republicans' camp. Well, yeah. is any sort of Since that, I'm hearing that from Republican campaigns and Democratic campaigns, that they really do see a break toward Republicans. The question is, where are we now? And with three weeks to go, of course, do we have yet another chapter in this
7: uh, ever winding
6: Wait, sort of campaign right for
0: republicans. yeah what, what you're
7: describing we are starting to see in the numbers i think here's the biggest thing we've been tracking through the year and that is the generic ballot this is the uh, average from real clear when you ask folks do you want the democrats or the republicans to be controlling congress as you mentioned early this year republicans had a clear advantage on this question over the summer Post Dobbs, Democrats drew even. Democrats that. even took the lead through mid September on this metric. And now, this morning, Republicans have a lead Impossible. on average of over two points. That's as big as I've seen the Republican lead on the generic ballot in months. And if you put this in some context here, let's take a look at recent midterm the waves. These are all wave elections in the midterms. This is where the generic ballot was at this point. You can see it's certainly not on par with what Democrats had in their two big wave years. It's not on are par with what Republicans kidding me? What had about in 2010
0: November? when I they took 63 seats six and won the
7: House. But now, the first vote. time we've seen this in a long time. The, the Republican lead in the generic ballot is actually larger than it was at this point in 2014, the significance of that is, if you remember the 2014 midterm, Barack Obama's second midterm, it was kind of a slow and late-building wave, to the point that even on election night, the magnitude of it caught some folks by surprise. But that's when Republicans took back the U.S. Senate in 2014. Oh, they reached shit. their highest level in terms of House seats since 1928. No. 2014 was a late-building no. wave. You saw that number spike in the last couple of weeks. You've now seen this one go from the Republicans just getting ahead of the Democrats a few weeks ago what the to being fuck up is by wrong over with two you points
0: people. in today's
5: average so you describing in terms of feeling like things might be moving.
0: Okay, now I'm going to take, just put it to an F, F, D, and I'm... fucking assholes. Americans are so stupid. Travel radio, travel radio. <sighs> Hashtag GOP traitors. Cab meant Republic house first. Okay, now I'm like cleaning up the uh, justice department. Well, just why don't you put why don't you put on some news? You can do this while. Well, I don't want to go away, but our at sign the justice DEPT. Ass hat. So I'll stick an asshat in, the ass in there. I like that word. <laughs> Bart from office.
5: Keep your eyes on the prize.
0: Yeah. We have a right to clean elections. Clean elections. I don't know if that's really a focus of clean elections. I think they focus more on, you know. I think it's kind of stupid actually. Well, only accept $5 donations. Well, everybody all the other candidates all the Republicans are uh, definitely fucking breaking in the, the dough.
7: seems right now, Tens of millions! Three weeks to go see if things change. Citizens Take a United. look at the Senate battleground here. Uh, again, he has the top five targets for each party. What does the polling look like in those states? Again, the bottom line continues to be true. Republicans need a net gain of one seat if they're going to get control of the Senate. Right now, on average, they lead in one Democratic held seat. That's Nevada. Adam Laxall continues to lead. Catherine Cortez-Masto. Were that to hold, that would be a net gain there for Republicans. But Democrats right now, again, continue to be able to counter that. There is one Republican-held seat, Pennsylvania. This is Pat Toomey retiring, where John Fetterman, the Democrat, continues to lead in the polling average here over Mehmet Oz. I should note, though, the big trend in this race. You see Fetterman 34 August 1st, if you went back and looked at the poll average in Pennsylvania, it was Fetterman 8.7. So that has come down considerably, more than five points since then. I think there's a lot of uh, uneasiness among Democrats when they look at Pennsylvania, a lot of variables there. A couple other things to point out on this board here. Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson's running for his third term from Wisconsin. Uh, I don't remember seeing Many or maybe even any polls in 2016 and 2010 that had Ron, just certainly in 2016, that had Ron Johnson ahead. This is a much, at least in terms of the polling, a much better position for him now than it was six years ago when he won one of the biggest upsets on election night to get reelected. And then in Georgia, where you had that debate Friday night, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Warnock continuing to lead the polling. Haven't really had much in the way of post-debate polling out there, so we're keeping a close eye on that. And the other wild card in Georgia is it's the runoff state. you got to get 50% plus one or it goes to a runoff December 6th, and neither Warnock nor Walker right now is at 50% in the polling average there.
6: Whenever you talk about the generic ballot, when you talk about these races, many people rightly looked at Kansas. They said, well, there's a race with a pro-life choice. Uh, the pro-life uh, side uh, of that ballot initiative this summer was supposed to win by one or two points. It was very close. They ended up winning by 19. That There's some sort of invisible vote. The thing I've noticed, Steve, that the further we get away from Dobbs, as you look at the issues, uh, it seems that abortion just isn't registering Uh, for a lot of voters, not even in the top three. Um, Am am I missing something? Are you you talking to campaigns? Do they suspect that there's going to be a hidden vote for Dobbs? Because I'm not exactly sure why that vote would be hidden, why that issue wouldn't appear high on people's priorities uh, if it's just not as important as a lot of Democratic candidates think it's going to be in voters' minds.
7: Yeah, I mean, sir, I I think, again, this is just consistent with what you're describing in terms of the atmosphere shifting from the summer when the focus this summer was so much on the Dobbs decision, all of the uncertainty that it raised. It was also, by the way, the focus this summer was heavily on Donald Trump, the raid of Mar-a-Lago, Trump-aligned candidates winning one high-profile Republican primary after another. Those two things, I think, were center stage. And I think now it's that the economy and inflation, especially with some of that news last week around inflation maybe really have returned to the fore there was that new york times sienna poll yesterday i don't have it in the board but if you add it up the economy and inflation in that poll 44 percent cited that as their top choice uh, as their top issue in terms of casting a vote five percent chose abortion uh, nothing outside of the economy inflation was double-digit. So I've seen a lot of polling showing economy and inflation top issue, but the magnitude of it in that New York Times-Siena poll yesterday, which had Republicans leading overall the generic ballot, the magnitude of it in that poll yesterday was bigger than I've seen. It does seem the further we've gotten out from that decision uh, this summer and the immediate kind of uncertainty that it raised now, three or four months later, It's back to the economy, back to inflation. And that inflation news last week, I think, certainly didn't help Democrats. Though abortion is still central to the Democratic case. We heard that in the debates last night. You're hearing it out on the campaign trail. The number, Steve, speaking of that New York Times-Siena poll that really stopped a lot of people in their tracks was the swing in just one month among independent women, talking about suburban
8: women as well who decide these elections in many cases, going from plus 14 from Democrats in
7: September to plus 18 for republicans one month later a 32 point flip how do you account for that when you look race by race yeah i mean and I, we talk so much about the importance it so many of these races here whether it's georgia the suburbs of atlanta whether it's wisconsin the suburbs outside of milwaukee we all the, the suburbs outside of philadelphia the suburbs really are going to swing and decide these races here if the economic concern certainly we've seen when you ask about inflation, you ask about the economy,
1: Republicans enjoy a clear advantage there. The other issue Republicans have been pushing
7: that may have some resonance in some of these suburban areas has been the issue of crime, (laughs) suburban areas outside cities where you've seen spikes in violent crime, where you've seen quality of life issues really take before. Republicans have been pushing crime in particular. I note Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, he has been doing that. We show Johnson here leading the poll uh, in Wisconsin. It's interesting. There was a a Marquette Law poll in Wisconsin last week that put Johnson ahead by five or six points. And when you look inside that poll, they they asked folks basically, do you take... How seriously do you consider? They give them a list of issues, and they basically said, do you consider these to be serious issues? Inflation in economy was number one. Over 90% were saying, yeah, basically, it's, it's a very important issue. Close to that, at 87%, though, was crime and that's about 10 points higher than abortion so i thought that jumped out at me because the democrats have been running hard on abortion republicans like johnson have been running hard on crime i think there might that poll indicated to me certainly in wisconsin there might be a little bit more resonance with the kind of voter you're describing when it comes to crime right now than it does abortion and that is redounding to the benefit of johnson in that state
0: I like this, put your foot down, get off your big butt, make some noise, speak the F up. Get off your big butt, make some noise, speak the F up. No, no down. The midterm elections now Make them just know. three weeks from the today.
9: There were debates yesterday in a number of key races, including the final one between the Democrat and Republican candidates in extremely close Ohio, the Senate race there. Here are some of the exchanges between Congressman Tim Ryan and
6: JD Vance. It's tragic. And JD and his extreme crew. They want to have a national abortion ban. They're not happy with people having to go to Illinois. They want people to get a passport and have to go to Canada.
4: Largest governmental overreach in the history of our lifetime. (laughs) He
6: called rape inconvenience. Like,
8: this is not a guy who's ready to protect the rights of women. Well, look, my my basic view here is that we need to protect life in this country. And it is a very different view from where it's in line There are a number of different exceptions here. And here's the thing that I want to say. We have to do a... you cannot yeah. say to with a... total confidence what every single exception in every single case is going to be. And let me offer just a specific example are here. so, so stupid series. Uh, I, I, I know a
5: lot of pro-life people. I Hashtag. People pro-life <laughs> since before I was born. One of the things they will tell you is, is they support an, 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 an
8: exception in the case of incest, for example. I've heard a number of pro-life people uh, say that. But uh, uh, an incest exception looks different at three weeks of pregnancy versus 39 weeks of pregnancy. So I actually don't think that you can say on a debate stage every single thing that you're going to vote for when it comes to an abortion piece of legislation. There are specific pieces of legislation that I'm willing to talk about. Where look, You talked about the Lindsey Graham bill. The Lindsey Graham bill protects babies ...who are four weeks and older, fully formed babies who can feel pain, and it provides reasonable exceptions. If you can't support legislation like that, you are making the United States the most barbaric pro-abortion regime anywhere in the entire world. You can have some minimum national standards, which is my view, while also allowing the states to make up their minds. California is going to have a different view than Ohio. That's totally fine. <laughs> I want to save as many lives as possible. That's the principle that guides me. You would vote for Lindsey Graham's 15 week ban? The as I ban? just said, I think it's totally <laughs> And cannot abort a baby, especially for elective reasons, after 15 weeks of gestation.
1: The you know, civilized
8: country allows it. I don't want the United States to be an exception. I think that uh, President Trump should be afforded all of the rights that the other American citizen is afforded. He should respond to the subpoena. He should come clean. He should talk about it. We know that there's been a call from the White House to be. somebody who was participating in the stoning of the Capitol. Uh, We should know all this, and if he has nothing to hide, he should come clean, and we should figure out what's going on. Look, I'm not going to pretend to give the President of the United States legal advice about whether he should (laughs) honor the subpoena. I think it would probably be uh, a pretty enlightening piece of, of testimony if he did honor the subpoena. But look, the January 6th committee has shown from the very beginning that it's not interested in the truth. That it's interested in a political hit job, and it goes back to four years ago. The obsession with the idea of that Donald Trump somehow had the election stolen by the Russians. There's been a non-stop <laughs> political effort to not honor the election of 2016. And I think that's just as much of a threat to democracy as the violence on January the 6th. Oh,
6: oh God. God. That's <gasps> JD
0: who in
1: 2016,
6: if you want to talk about 2016...
1: I do people. mm <clears throat> uh <clears throat> Mm-mm. <clears throat>
5: Bye-bye. <laughs>
0: I just tweeted it Donald to Trump,
6: America's Hitler in two thousand sixteen. We're talking about a guy who in two thousand sixteen lectured Christians and said you can't be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump.
1: What?
6: same guy that's worried about how Democrats have acted since 2016? Let me tell you something. This moral equivalency is getting really exhausting.
5: I see some people writing columns right now, uh, people that I like and people who... Written other columns that I respect, but I'm seeing more
6: and more people now trying to paint a moral equivalency between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Let's impeach. Let's impeach Joe Biden because he signed a presidential order.
0: Because he won. Maybe unconstitutional. So let's impeach him now. I got an idea. Why don't you actually just take it up to the United States Supreme Court? What, what, wait don't you don't have to impeach
6: somebody if it's unconstitutional. Well, they can just overturn it. Trump's case. You have a guy that held up arms to Ukraine that Congress had already passed? You have a guy who said to President Zelensky, I'm not going to give you this, basically, until you find dirt? On my political opponent you have in donald trump a guy who two weeks before the election told his attorney general arrest my opponent and his family seriously you've got a guy in donald trump that sent uh, a tweet out getting people to come on january the 6th the guy who i mean the, the evidence has come out because of the january 6 committee there is no moral equivalency there between joe biden Doing presidential orders, executive orders, whether it's it's on uh, moratoriums for eviction or whether it's on student loans. If he expanded his reach as a president. Take it to a federal court. Don't you? Go, we're going to impeach him. Seriously, I guess that's what we have to look forward to. And J D Vance also a moral equivalency. Between what happened in 2016 and what happened in 2020, Hillary Clinton, I, I can't believe I have to keep reminding people of this. Hillary Hillary Clinton went out the next morning and conceded to Donald Trump. She wasn't happy about it, but she conceded to Donald Trump. I went to church that weekend and I had one guy come up to me and he said, hey, you really need to check the votes in Michigan the Republicans stole it. I was like, okay, great. Hey, can I get you some coffee? And that was the end of it. I still have my friends, my family, people I grew up with, going to conspiracy websites saying the 2020 election was what was stolen because Donald Trump said that. Yeah. Because it's permeating America now on the far Trump right. So please, let's not paint moral equivalency, especially from a guy who called Donald Trump America's Hitler. I, it just, again, hey. how do these people do it? No, and- We it, get, we get hope and change. <laughs> the hope and change candidate in Arizona. Hitler, That's right. Uh, yeah. In 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 Ohio, the guy calling Trump America's Hitler, and they're lecturing their opponents for being being too anti-Trump. It's so. Uh, yeah. I actually want to
3: take. Hey, ninety-nine percent of people with an IRA or four hundred and one k will not see this mm-hmm. video, and that would be a tragedy. Why is that?
0: Well, it's so powerful like, in a, like Russian study, bo- Trump software. bots.
6: Too it's, so, it's, I, I, I actually want to
9: take the challenges Lincoln endured during his presidency to preserve democracy provide
5: crucial lessons to the country today. Something our next guest writes about in his new book. Joining us now, presidential historian John Meacham, his new book
9: entitled And There Was Light, Abraham Lincoln, and the American Struggle is officially out today. Congratulations. Also with us for the discussion is MSNBC contributor Mike Barnacle and author and NBC News presidential historian Michael Beschloss. By the way, Barnacle...
6: Almost selected as Secretary of War for election. I know. At the it, last it, I, minute, Michael, there was, was an okay. insider deal. Almost
9: happened.
6: They didn't want a guy that from was, Massachusetts.
9: That's, that's the most The Washington Post, Eugene Robinson is still with us, and he has the first question. Gene? Uh,
3: uh, John, congratulations on the book. Um, and I will I read it eagerly. I, I, I'm curious. You know, it, it wasn't really until the got into the war that the the sort of stated um, uh, and and open goal
1: of Lincoln was to get rid of slavery um, and he, he, he
3: tried everything to kind of keep the union together yet earlier before he was president he'd given the famous you know a nation divided uh, I guess so cannot stand speech um, uh, as if he knew all along that that um, that it was going to it was going to come to that was he temporizing was he um, playing for time essentially um, uh, until the moment was right or was this a genuine shift uh, in Lincoln's thinking?
1: Well, as as a
3: conscientious
10: politician, which is not an oxymoron, uh, and I think that's one of the key points here, is that if you're going to send someone to the pinnacle of power, you need to make sure there is a moral compass, there is a commitment to something larger than your own hold on power. And in many ways, I think that's a a hugely important lesson about Lincoln for us today. He was anti-slavery persistently uh in the, in the politics of the time he believed that that slavery could not be extended to the territories that was the defining political issue stuck. of the 1850s it was what the Douglas Lincoln campaigns were about uh, for the oh. Senate And uh, remember, Lincoln kept uh, yeah
0: give me fu- give uh, me so 5 being minutes an
10: anti-slavery politician in the 1850s was not a guaranteed winner but he give me 10 win. minutes and as you, Gina, as you mentioned, uh, he comes to Cooper Union. He talks about how slave. There is a there is a strong distinction between us and them, uh, between the North and the South, between the free states and the slave states. They believe slavery is right, and we believe it is wrong. And on that issue, democracy itself would hang because the aristocracy of race in my native region.